0: Welcome to Designer's Corner. Today, I am with Jack Sprenger, with um, a new Kickstarter. He's a new designer with Dungeons of Infinity. Now, Jack, say hello to everybody. Hello,
1: Jack Spurner here.
0: Now, Jack, tell us what got you to start thinking about designing games?
1: Well, it actually started a little over three years ago, and I discovered Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And I saw Mistfall on Kickstarter, and I watched the video and did you know went through the, and just went through the whole process of backing the game and watching it, and that was my very first game I ever backed on Kickstarter, and I loved the whole process. I loved the excitement of hitting new stretch goals. And I thought it was just awesome experience, and I have been a game player. All my life, I've designed games for children to play for years. And I thought, I can do this. And Mm -hmm. at the the time, I was unemployed. So I thought, well, I'm going to design my own game and put it on Kickstarter.
0: And that's where Dungeons of Infinity came from?
1: That's the start of it, yes.
0: Now, Dungeons of Infinity, you are four days in, well, actually, three days and 14 hours, or so I think you were telling me. Yeah, I'm pretty exacting. I have a degree in math. So. Yeah, but we'll we'll say three and a half days in, and you're already at thirty percent, which I think is a great job for a brand new designer. Congrats you. to you on that. Thank you. Now, looking at that though, I see your budget's at at fifty thousand. With it, what made you say, you know what, Kickstarter's the route to go? I need this amount of income for it, and move forward. Like, what was the process of that? Well, that's actually, you know, way down
1: the line of the process of actually designing the game.
0: Um, right, but, it, I without, mean, what, what was like, because you said, you saw Kickstarter, you're like, yes, Kickstarter, I can do that.
1: Right, and then I started, once I had a game, I started, which was two years later, um, mm-hmm. I, I had a game, then I started contacting companies. And... Giving them my specs, giving them everything that I needed, and I got replies back, and I was like, "Okay." So then I, you know, I had artists and a graphic designer, and then I have someone doing the rule book, helping with the rule book. Uh, uh, Paul Grogan is going to help with the rule book, and um, I found out what all this cost, and so I was like, "This is how much. This is how many I need to sell." To be able to pay all these people. Right. So that's where that came from. All
0: right. There's a point of why I went this route first. Uh, the reason I, I, I go this route and talking about, you know, the cost of Kickstarters, you know, price, be, set prices and everything, is the fact that I think it's important for new designers, as well as play testers and gamers, to understand games take a lot of time to develop, if you, especially for new people, and I think Jack here has a very interesting, intriguing game that we'll get into. That I don't think people understand that, um, and I, I think that they take new games and Kickstarters now nowadays for granted. Um, and I want to make that statement real quick in the fact, you know, in defense for new designers, game developers. In the fact that they spend a lot of time and money and, you know, and, they're, you know, a lot of heart. And I think, Jack, you've done a great job so far. Thank you. Uh, now let's go back to the beginning. So <laughs> tell me. And tell us uh, what is Dragons to Infinite? Uh, dragons, uh, sorry, of I Infinity. I can't speak tonight. Dungeons of <laughs> Infinity. Infinity. Um, no dragons. Those people yeah. want
1: dragons. The, the corridors are too small for dragons. There you go. <laughs>
0: That's true. So, what got you with Dungeons of Infinity? What games did well, you think about my that son brought you I... into this?
1: Yeah, I'm oh, sorry, I'm talking over you. That's bad. My son and I played. Um, Dungeons and Dragons minis, um, and we enjoyed it. Uh, I think we enjoyed doing it more together than than either of us actually enjoyed the game, um, if that makes any sense. I remember many times we'd play it, and we'd go, this needs to be done this way, and this needs to be done that way. So all of those things were in my head, you know, when, when I got the idea of designing a game. And my favorite games are um, RPGs. And I mean like video game RPGs. <clears throat> like Morrowind and, and uh, you know, Oblivion. Uh, and I loved uh, Ultima on the computer in the 90s.
0: Oh, talk about one that's close to my heart
1: right there, Ultima. Yeah, I, Ultima 7, man. Anyway, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I had that background. And and then uh, my son-in-law got me Firefly the board game, uh, and I absolutely fell in love with that. And it was playing that game that opened my mind to, wait a minute, with cards... You can take a game like Dungeons and Dragons, minis, and you can expand the world to where it's unlimited as to what you can do. And that was the birth of Dungeons of Infinity. I, I wanted to create a game that was infinitely replayable and that had the use of these decks of cards that dictated how the game unfolded before you um so yeah that was the beginning plus i always and my first character i designed was warrior Mm -hmm. because i always play the warrior uh the brute force guy
0: so from uh dungeon dragons minis and firefly well actually i have to ask about firefly were you a huge um uh, firefly and serenity fan
1: yeah how dare they take it off the air, but anyway.
0: Oh, I know. Or put it, when it was on the air, put it in the wrong order. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's not even
1: worth talking about.
0: Just... <laughs> what was your favorite episode?
1: It's been a while. I, I, see, if I was a really, really good fan, I could name the episode by name, and I can't. But it was the very last one on the on the Blu-ray, which is the very last, the, the one where where they think uh, Summer Glau, I don't even remember her name in the in the show anymore. Uh, <laughs> is uh, is in the ship, and the other guy is, and she's actually in the other guy's ship.
0: Right with and, early, yes. And it's like this Ju- cat Jumel mouse early, game. Yes,
1: Jubal Early. Yes, that is my favorite episode. Oh, uh, that I was basically a good episode. All the episodes. I, I like the one where uh, they're out of gas.
0: Yes, that one was a fantastic episode Like that one I don't remember much when they had it You know, airing But when I saw it on the uh, Blu-ray Oh my god that, that made my love for
1: it Like oh, grow amazing,
0: exponentially
1: Amazing episode, the entire series
0: Yeah, I would have to say <laughs> Excuse me <clears throat> I'm sorry about that My favorite one was Janestown
1: Oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah, <laughs> I love them
0: all. <laughs> that and, the, you know, in the mutters. Yeah. So taking that, you know, in playing Firefly, does it give you that same, you know, feel that the series gave you?
1: Yeah, well, everything can do. The thing about the Firefly board game that drives some people crazy and I adore is you can have all these incredible plans and it all goes completely south <laughs> with the draw of one card. Which is exactly how the movie and how the T V series was. Exactly. <laughs> I can't you, gotta, you know, every everything goes south.
0: Oh, uh, see, that's why I wanna play I haven't played it yet and I can't wait to get it give it a chance to. Um because I love the series. I've loved the movie. Thank you for reminding me of the series again. I think I'm gonna have my yearly watch coming up soon because of you. Thank you. Oh, no, you're welcome. All right, so <laughs> What element did you take um, from Firefly and uh, Dungeons and Dragons?
1: Well, the Dungeons and Dragons was the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, the the fantasy, you know, dungeon crawl kind of theme. Um, the twenty sided dice uh, comes from that. One thing I don't like in a game is I don't like a dice roll determining how much damage you do. I think in terms of when I was designing this game, I was thinking in terms of, okay, you're parrying, you're fighting. The dice should determine your chances of hitting that person. But that sword or that weapon determines the damage, the defense, and the combined nature of it. So I almost, and I'm going a little, giving a little more detail here, um, but I'm just going into the, you know, what I wrestled with with the dungeon dragons and how I was like, well, I want to fix that. I want to make it so that when I am attacking or I'm being attacked, I know how much damage is going to happen to me. I can calculate that. Now what comes down to the randomness of it is, but you can do things to also affect that, is the dice roll that says, does I hit, do I hit or not? Another thing <clears throat> that I like is the unknown. Um, Euro games, that unknown's kind of not there. You just calculate it out, and it happens. Right. Um, I like to calculate it out, but then I like the unknown of whether it's going to happen or not. Right. And that dice come into play there. Uh, To finish with answering your question, going to the Firefly game, the thing about the Firefly game is you have decks of cards, since you're not familiar with it, that are your 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 contacts. So you have contacts in the game like Nishka, uh, like Badger, and they have a deck of cards that have jobs that they want you to do. Well, you don't know a you know, deck of cards. I don't know how many cards are in, but it's big. You don't know what jobs you're going to get. <clears throat> you don't know whether the jobs you're going to get are going to help you meet what you need to do for that scenario to win it. So there's the random element. And then the, then the actual planets have decks of cards, some of the planets where you can go and get supplies. Well, the supplies you can get are different at the different places. Now, I like like Silverhold, is where you get all your awesome weapons. And so there's that element. So I wanted to incorporate that into a dungeon brawl. Nice. and. You want me to keep going? I mean, yep. I can keep, keep on going. There. Um, so how I incorporated that into my game is I have four decks, and I'll call them risk cards because you're taking a risk when you turn these cards over. And there are four different cards, decks. One is the Mist, and, and I will give a shout-out. That actually is a shout-out to Mistfall, the game that inspired me to design a game. hmm I thought, let me give them a shout-out, so we call it the mist deck. Then we have, um, I was thinking of things you find in a dungeon. You find junk in a dungeon. So you go into a room and there's junk, and that's the debris deck. Then maybe you find a body laying around. That's a body deck. And then, of course, what what is any dungeon without a treasure chest? You find a chest in the dungeon. So... How that works, so you've got those four decks, and each deck has 36 cards, so it's 144 different events that can happen in the game. Uh, that's a lot of stuff that can happen. Now, it's not completely random. Um, it goes in order. Um, there's a sequence to it. The chest, treasure chest is the safest thing you can do. Statistically, it's going to be a good thing more than likely. Then it goes to... The bodies, then debris, and then the mist. The mist is like 95% bad. <laughs> First three items, you have a choice as to whether you want to participate or see what's going on there. If you walk into a room with a body, you can just walk on by and go, oh, forget it. I'm going to, you know. I have so a something I'm
0: gilded. Right. I don't want to find
1: out what. <laughs> That's correct. I'm moving on. Um, or a bunch of debris. I don't want to check out the debris. Let's move on. The idea behind the mist is, is it's suffocating. Right. You walk into a room with the mist. You have to turn the card over, and you have to re- happen whatever ha- that card causes happens. You can't avoid it. So you can never avoid the mist. Um, so, and how that works is now the dungeon tiles. As you're laying the dungeon tiles out. Um, and this is just the basis of the game. We're not even going into how there's scenarios behind what you're trying to do, because um, there's goals and purposes behind being in this dungeon. But the dungeon tiles have numbers on them, and I have these eight charts. Then you pick which you pick whichever one you want. I did not want room 16 to always be a body. So to handle that. I have these charts that every game 16 might be a treasure chest, it might be a body, it might might be a mist, it might be, you know, based on whatever chart you chose for that game. That way, that's always a random experience.
0: Well, I mean, that's what I've really enjoyed uh, about, you know, when I did my research into your game, look at your reference guide, watch, you know, the how-to's play the Tabletopia, was the fact that there's so many variables that change in this game that you don't get in most dungeon crawls. Um, you know, even going into the big game of Gloomhaven, a scenario is a set scenario. You know, you have set monsters that come out with the number of players you have or warriors you, you have in the, the party and, you know, set rules of, of what happens when a door opens. With your game, though, depending on... The randomness of the cards, or the chances you take with that, or the or the um, the campaign um, uh, tiles that have the two that's two sided, which tells you what the numbers do, is ever changing, and I love that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it causes for great replayability. Um,
1: the, the, the name c- came from if you my, one of my updates or one of my comments on the forum where the Kickstarter was, <clears throat> where the name came from, because there were people making fun of the name. Well, fine. Um, I am notorious for not being good at naming things. Uh, it's, a, it's a joke my wife and I have. Uh, it's like, don't let me name the kids. <laughs> I'll call my son boy, and I'll call our daughter girl. You know? <laughs> right. just, just not good at naming things. Him and her. That's but it. Let's go. It, that's right. Yeah. So, but... Um, when I was in the design process and I started calculating, being the mathematician, the odds on the dungeon tiles, and, and, and we haven't talked about how those are set up, I was like, this is infinite. No human being is ever going to be able to ever play the same game twice, ever. In fact, I was calculating that, like, all the people on the planet could play this game every night for, like, ten years, and they would never play, none of them would ever play the same game. Right. Right. I was like, that's pretty infinite. Why don't I call this game Dungeons of Infinity?
0: Uh, you know, I think that's appropriate. I don't think that's a, a bad name choice at all. It's po- poignant, to, you know, r- r- this is what it is.
1: Right. When I was playtesting this on Tabletopia, you know, a while back, because um, I, I got on Tabletopia via their Kickstarter and was, you know, right there at the beginning with, with them and was playtesting this with people on Tabletopia, which was. For me, awesome, because I'm, like, getting to play this, this is with people all over the world. Um A lot of them were like, well, this is an appropriate name for this game. Just keep it. Right. I agree with them. So
0: that's a great job there. All right. So I think we've drummed up enough interest of of your game, but we haven't gone on over an overview. So let's talk about overview. What is your game? So it's a dungeon crawl. We We know that but how is this different from others? Right,
1: it's random, and these things happen. But that's not the game. Right. The game is, I mean, the overview of the game, we talked about the tiles, and I could mention that the tiles are all different. They're different configurations, door configurations. There's dead-end tiles. There's tiles with, like, a hallway You just go in one side and out the other. There's tiles with three doorways, and they're all configured differently. And how the game plays is as you go from room, every tile has a blue arrow on it, and that is how the tile is laid, is the hero has to pass over the blue tile when they're going from dungeon to room to room, so that sets the orientation for the tile. You don't get to pick the orientation. So that's one thing that is part of the gameplay, and another thing is it's scenario-driven. That's one area of the game. There are ten scenarios that just give you tasks to do. I'll take the intro scenario, is called money grab. You're just going into the dungeon to get stuff. That's your whole goal. You're trying to find treasure chests. You're trying to find bodies that have awesome orbs or awesome things on them that you can go back to the merchant. Now, another thing, little story, is the merchant sees the heroes going through town, and they're like, oh, they're going to the dungeon. He grabs some stuff from his store and follows them to the entrance of the dungeon, and he stays there because he's not stupid. He's not going in the dungeon. But he brings just certain things with him. And so the heroes aren't going to have access. They're like, maybe they can buy this or buy that. And so you're exploring this unknown dungeon, but you also have a goal in mind. Uh, the scenario I recommend that people play second, which is on Tabletopia, and which is one of the most popular scenarios, and it's, it's a very simple concept, it's called Orb Quest. You're going into the dungeon to find an orb for the king. Now, I, I don't want to say the name of the king, because I am not culturally knowing that King that Farnsworth is a name used in Futurama. I didn't know that, <laughs> but I found out. But I'm keeping the name of the king. I like the king's name being Farnsworth. Uh, but the point is, um, you. The cool thing about the tile, di- the tiles having numbers, is you roll the twenty-sided dice, and if it comes up, say five, the orb is in room five, and then you pick a random boss. And those names are going to change. I had the, my, graphic designer said, let's call them like minions, and and I was like, cool, we'll do that. But you draw it, and that, you don't reveal it, and he's guarding it. So you, ha- you have to find room five, and another thing I do is in that scenario, you do three stacks of dungeon tiles. So you have a left or west dungeon tile stack, and you have a east or right dungeon, and then you have a north or south stack. So you're forced to, the reason I did that is so that, If you just have the stack of, you know, tiles, it could be anywhere. Right. Just looking for five, but when you set it up in three different, it could be north, it could be east, or it could be west.
0: Right, and again, forces you. It's hmm? your variability changes that I love. Sorry, continue, but I just wanted to point that out.
1: So it forces you to explore the dungeon. It's not a random thing. It's random as to which stack it's in, but you don't know which one it's in. Mm-hmm. And it, instead of just, you know, randomly going through the dungeon and five's going to show up eventually, I just thought that was no fun. <laughs> you know, I want it to be, it's going to be in the west. Oh, we've, we've, ex- we've done everything in the east. We haven't found it. We've got to go west. And while this is going on, you have all these other things happening that these cards reveal.
0: That you have to deal with, right? Let's talk about those cards real quick because we haven't dove into those. Uh, they're called the risk cards.
1: Correct. Those cards, other than the you know the the, uh, the the scenarios, are very important in that they drive what you're doing. But the cards are what happens, and I don't want to go into a lot of detail. What's in the cards? You you you've played it on. There's so many different things that can happen. And that's where it's infinite in that what those cards, those decks of cards mean, I'll I'll give one. I'm going to tell you about my favorite card. Okay. My favorite card is, and I'm trying to remember if he's in a treasure chest or if he, you find him, I think you find him in debris. He has like this little home. He's built in this debris and you're looking through the debris and he pops out and he's an imp. And it's the name of the card is he just won't shut up. <laughs> and one of the gold things in my game is you're trying not to make noise. Because the, the leader of the head of the dungeon, the dungeon boss, the big bad guy, he's not aware you're in his dungeon. And the more noise you make, the more likely he's going to know you're there. So with this imp following you around talking constantly, you have to draw these boss event cards. That's, we can go into that, but that is what spawns the dungeon boss. Well, the more of those you sp- turn, the greater chance there's going to be he's going to show up. And this imp follows you around. So you, it, at the bottom of the card, you have two choices. You can give him something from your inventory because he's just a greedy little guy, and he'll go away. Or you have to try to kill him, except uh, on, a, on a, you know a, a killing him is hitting him is on a 1 through 20 on a d20, well, he's, he's got a minus 9. So he's really quick. So whatever your chance of hitting him is, you have to subtract 9 from that. So what do you do? Do you give up the sword that, you know, you're so happy you found? Or do you try to kill him and take? maybe it's going to take multiple turns? And he follows you around the whole game. I love it. And that's the kind of stuff... That, that happens in those cards. You, you open a treasure chest, and I, I will... Um, one of my favorite treasure chest things is you, you open it up, and there's, like, a healing vial in there. And you're like, big deal. <laughs> but you're like, okay. And, and the, the, the cards have, like, story elements on them. So you kind of... If you're playing the game outside of the story part of the game, you at least have the story being built for you. Right. Right. Um, and so you read the card, and it's got the story, and and the the one chest. As you reach in, you go, oh, okay, there's a healing. And you reach in there, and you grab it, and suddenly you hear this noise behind you, and there's all the there's like two bosses, and bosses are very hard to kill, and they're standing behind you, and you can't get the healing potion until you kill them, and you're like, okay, is this worth it for a healing potion? Right. Um, so. You know, and and like you go through and you search a body. You can find stuff in its pockets. You can find equipment. Or you search through a body and the person is not dead. And you're searching them, wakes them up, and they actually become your ally and travel with you. and, And fight with you. Or you search the body and the body reanimates and starts attacking you. Those are the kind of things that happen in the cards. You have you have cave-ins, you have flooding, you have lava, you have all sorts of bad things that happen as you travel through the dungeon. Um, I've got events called catastrophic events. They have Cs on them, and I'm sure my graphic designer will come up with something much more clever than the C for the final game. But that allows the player to say, okay, I'm going to play a game without catastrophic events, and they can exclude them. Hmm. Because catastrophic events are just that, hideous. And, and I highly recommend that when you first play the game, in fact, the coin grab says don't play with catastrophic events and don't play with the dungeon boss. Just go in and get used to how, how to play.
0: Right, which changes the, the difficulty of it.
1: Yes, the catastrophic events will ruin your day. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, th- this sounds very similar, your, your game. I'm going to make a quick little reference kick. I don't know. Did you ever play probably um, uh, early to mid-90s? They've re-released it now. Uh, Fantasy Flight has done it uh, called Dungeon Quest. Do you know what this game is about? All right. So this game is just, it's a blank map. That you put down. and
1: well, Was that the one where everybody yes, loses? Yes, basically
0: there's a 5% chance to win. And as you are going to through the map, you're revealing new tiles that can turn on you, that can be bottomless pits, that can drop you down into the basement, um, which is just hell on earth that you have to find an escape from. So from what you're telling me, it, it sounds... Like an element f- from that where you have unexpected tiles coming and events you? that come from it. Hey, Jack, you back?
1: Yeah. Sorry, Sorry. Uh
0: Anyway, so what happens is that you have unexpected events, unexpected tiles, and it's so horribly bad that it's fun. Even though you're getting... Yeah, this is actually winnable. This is like 50%. But that's what I think I'm going to love a... about your game is there's those elements of just atrocious things that can happen to you and your party. That's just going to be like, Oh my God, I can't not again. I've just unlocked this massive <laughs> throng of beasts coming in from this cave in because I had to be curious. Yeah, And
1: right. And actually my t- some of my, see, I didn't, I've never played that game, but I actually have seen reviews of it and watched playthroughs, uh, which actually started after I started designing my game. And I'm watching that going, well, at least my game is winnable. Right. <laughs> uh, it's very strategic. And most of the time, if you lose, it's your fault. Because you got a little too curious, huh? It's, yeah. Or you, like, okay, like, I'm playing with 12-year-olds is disastrous in my game. Well, of course, because they
0: have to open because, everything,
1: right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it's like... I remember many times going, and a friend of mine and his son, and it's like, okay, we've got the orb. All we have to do is avoid the dungeon boss, and we can get back to the, and we win. No, I want to open <laughs> this chest. See what? Okay, you just teleported us all right into the same tile with him, and he's now killing us all. Um. Well, and that, that brings up. Other point about my game and these scenarios, these 10 scenarios um, basically can all be played solo co-op and competitive. There's different sets of rules for the same game that allows it to happen. My favorite way of playing the game is competitive.
0: You know, I'm going to have to say that when I get a chance to play your game, it's probably either going to be co-op or competitive because it depends on what group I play with. Some of us are really competitive against each other, and I can't wait to try uh, Dungeons of Infinity that way. But there's others that we love just co-op. And I, I'm glad that you, you have both elements available to play in, in your game because most games are it's either one or the other, not a you know a duality of both.
1: It's so funny because somebody told me in game design, you know, I, I and I don't think it was anyone from the design group I'm in, but they said you cannot make a good co-op competitive game, and I was like, "Don't tell me I can't do it, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to find a right. way to do it." And uh, I have groups of people I play test with who will not play anything but co-op, and they love the game and i have other people i play with who will not play co-op. they play competitive and they adore the game. what else can right. you say other than you know these people co-op only people love the game. competitive only people love the game. now i won't i don't know if i if any of them hear this but i tolerate the co-op people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So you got that competitive streak <laughs> yeah, in you. Like,
1: oh, most definitely. Yeah. Well, if you look at my Kickstarter, it says I'm a national champion coach.
0: I like winning. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm glad that your game I, I like and you went through that Avenue of deciding, let me scratch both of these itches that people have and not just go with one. Well,
1: and Then I was playing. Well, there's a whole nother part to the game, which works too. Um, I was playing with somebody, uh, um, a guy and his, his wife, and his wife, Now, see, I I just want to play the game. I just want to be competitive, or if we have to, co-op, but I just want to play the game. And she wanted a story behind her character. So she's making up this whole story. She was playing, the, I don't remember who she was playing. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to appeal to people like that, I'm going to need backstories for all these characters. And from that, I got the idea if she really likes this. Why don't I have a story mode to this game system? Because the game system works. What if I had a story mode to it? And that's where the campaigns came from, was was, uh, her wanting to have backstory to her character. And then from that, it grew to let's have a campaign mode.
0: Well, you know, I, I like the fact that you guys you decided to go with a, a campaign mode. I think it just adds a little bit more depth to your game. But I want I do want to go back because we only scratched the surface of this mechanic of your game, which I think really sets it apart, and that's noise. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Well. Oh, yes, there is quite a bit to your game. But what I like about the noise aspect of your game is the fact that if you do, if depending on the character. So let's say you have a, um, a, a paladin and a wizard and, you know, let's say that during the wizard's turn, all they did was move and open items. Well, if you look at your character card, you, you only see, okay, well, I didn't make that much noise, so I didn't draw a dungeon card. I mean, a, a dungeon boss card. But then the paladin went in right. and ran, who made all this noise, and let's say he ran and did combat. He's created so much noise, he draws, I, I believe it's two cards, because he did combat, Correct. and he ran that same turn. So you, it increases the chances of an awakening a boss. Which you know is right. another thing we'll talk about in a little bit, but I love that element. What made you think about doing noise and you know certain actions for certain characters that creates more noise to increase the chances of bosses spawning?
1: Okay, noise was always uh, an idea in the game, but there used to be a noise chart, and the idea was like a health meter and an experience meter, there was a noise meter. And so your actions caused Mm -hmm. noise. And when you got up to like 10, the boss spawned. If any hero got their noise up to 10, the boss spawned. But at any time in the game, you could rest and your meter would go down. Well, I was uh, playing, we were playtesting with Isaac and the rest of the crew up in Indianapolis, um, and I forget who it was, might have been Isaac, might have been someone else, and they said, you well, know, this whole noise rest thing, there's no tension to it, because all you have to do is rest. And I thought, well, that's a really valid point, and so from that, the whole noise meter went And it was like, wait a minute, these tiles all have numbers on them to help determine what's in the tile. Why don't those numbers also help determine where the dungeon watch comes from? And we have a deck of cards that either has a zero or nothing on it or a a tile number. And the more tiles you draw, statistically, probability, the greater probability that he's going to appear and the more dungeon you explore, the more chance there is you're going to alert him to your presence." And I was like, all of that works so well with a deck of cards, with with numbers on them, and then balancing the heroes to the different times that they draw these cards. And there are times when your ability cards, and we haven't even talked about ability cards, because ability cards is another area where it really makes all the heroes completely unique. Because they have these ability cards as well as abilities that everyone can do. But the ability cards, some of the abilities you do, makes you draw dungeon mm-hmm. boss cards. And so you have to weigh, like the the fire wizard has this ability called firelight and... She can light rooms up so that you can see what's in there and go, I ain't going in there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, every, most every other hero has to walk into a room blind. And if there's a mist in there, it could be bad for you um, and for the game. So um, you have to weigh: Do I really want to do this now? We're halfway through the boss event deck. I don't know. Do we want him showing up? Maybe we'll just walk in blind. We don't want to cast this firelight that's going to draw another card. Um, So, you know, there's that element of it, and then um, where he appears. And there's a tension to it of turning those cards of, oh, my, turning this card and. Why right. did you do that? You know, why did you just run, you idiot? Why did you
0: do all these noise actions this turn? Yeah. But I like that concept, though. It's the, again, another unknown timer that you've put into the game. Like, and I'm glad you made that change because I didn't even know that the original version was that one, you know, that went up to 10. But I like this fact that that, you know, the deck is a timer but that timer is constantly changing as the rooms expand and the more actions you do yes so you're putting fate into your own hands um by doing those actions but and then a boss spawns let's talk about bosses real quick bosses are okay once the boss spawns yeah boss spawns and These bosses are not like your typical mini bosses that you'll find in most dungeon crawls that you can, you know, possibly solo.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Tell us about them. (laughs) Uh, The idea behind these guys is they're just bad. (laughs) uh, When I was first advertising to draw people to Facebook and my newsletter, it was, are you the hunter or the hunted? That was the whole draw, Um, because once the dungeon boss shows up, you become the hunted and you run from him. You do not, uh, you do not want him showing up in your room uh, because he has been known to kill thieves in one shot. And if you're playing co-op, anybody dies, the game's over. So you want to keep everyone alive. Um, so his movement, uh, the, the cards are, are twofold. There's the where he he spawns, and then there's the I am now chasing you. So after he spawns, you're still drawing cards based on events that happen. And if you're in combat, sometimes you can't avoid drawing cards, which is why when you have your goal, you don't continue searching. What are you searching the new room for, you moron? <laughs> you're just, you can run in and draw three cards now because of what you just did. Um, And his movement, and this is all probabilities, every hero on their card has a number between 1 and 5 for their noise. 5 being the loudest and 1 being the quietest. There are cards that say the dungeon boss moves 1 towards the loudest. Or 1 towards 5, or 1 towards 4, or 1 towards 3, 2, or 1 and then one towards the, you know, towards the closest. And they're all probability wise. The ones that say moves towards the loudest, there's the most of those. The ones that say moves towards the quietest, there's like only two of those in the deck. And then move towards the closest, there's a lot of those. Move towards the closest, move towards the loudest. And then there's these specific numbers, and they're the same number of those cards in the deck. Um, <clears throat> So, it's the variability, and then there's the run rage cards, and I'll talk about those in a second. There's the variability of it's an AI that drives him that you think has a probability of happening because he's going to move towards the loudest most of the time. But like any being, if he's got a thief next to him in the very room next to him making this little bitty noise, noise one. He might just go, okay, I'm hearing that loud noise from the warrior down the hallway, but I want to go see what this little scratchy noise is. So he might break off and go towards the scratchy noise. That way, you never know what he's going to do. You never know what direction he's going to go. And the chances are your thief can sneak around him and be okay. But just like in real life, it might not work. And I love that variability. And then, um, and like say you draw a card that says he's going to move towards noise three. Well, if there's not a noise three in the dungeon, because there's a possibility you're not playing one of those characters, he will then okay. move towards the loudest. Now there are certain things you can do. You can shout in the game to draw him. Uh, shouting is is a noise of six, so shouting's higher noise than what the, uh, the warrior makes. Uh, There's also bombs in the game. Bombs are noise six. Um, So the alchemist can throw bombs in a room that are going to make a noise six and draw him there. You can do strategies like that. Um, Then there are cave-ins and other things that happen that have the highest noise in the game is eight. And I think that's a major like cave-in explosion thing that happens. Um, But there's different noise levels in the game. And um, that all comes into play in what direction and what path he's going. Um, then there's the run rage, which is he's just frustrated with the whole mess and he just takes off and runs for three tiles. That can be the greatest thing ever or the worst thing ever because it's a random direction based on a D20 roll with a 25%. Chance for either any other directions. The good thing about that is he's so enraged he just runs past heroes that are in rooms and does not engage them. The rule with the dungeon boss is if he shows up in a room, he attacks right. you instantly, even if it's not your turn, even if it's the warrior's turn. The warrior draws a card and it draws him to the monk. The monk gets attacked instantly whether it's his turn or not. So that's one of the reasons why the dungeon boss is such a bad, bad guy. Because even if it's not your turn, he's going to attack you, and you can't attack back until it's your turn again, or try to escape or whatever. Um, so the fun with that is in a co-op game, you can work together to try to draw him places, and in a, in a competitive game, You can be evil with each other. I was
0: actually just thinking that. I was like, I I like the fact that you can mitigate his movement by creating more noise. And I would so against a few of the people I would play with, throw a flash bomb into their room and then move the other way.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Like have, have fun. So it's, it's a,
1: excuse me. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a, it's a cool, fun dynamic. And, Another thing about the competitive game is I do not believe in player elimination. It's a board game. We all want to play and have fun. No one wants to be eliminated. So in in the competitive game, when you croak, you set out two turns, and you come back in, and your health is back up to 10, and you're back in the game. Now, the cool thing while you're croaked is other heroes can come <laughs> up and steal one thing off of you. Okay. So, and then there's another rule, just in detail, that when if you wake up in the same room as the dungeon boss, you, he does not attack you. That's good.
0: That, that would just be like, so you know, in you video games, when you're playing in multiplayer games, and they just stay at your spawn point, and you just constantly die because right. <laughs> the boss is just hammering you over and over again.
1: Right. So that that way, the evil people you're playing with can't set it up so that you're laying their you know, exhausted and they lead him right to your room and you just keep dying. Um, and then they go and win. Um, so you can't do that. That's one thing I added to the competitive game is, is if you do get exhausted and you are waking up in the same room with the dungeon boss, you can fail.
0: That's awesome. All right. So we've talked about the dungeon boss and movement and the competitiveness of it. Now let's talk about character movement and abilities. We, We kind of scratched the surface of it. But what I like about this is, you know, like a a few other games, it's an AP system, so it's ability points.
1: Yes, I love the ability point system because um, I, when I I was designing my game and I was just discovering board games, I'd been a video game guy, and I'd been a board gamer in the 70s. How old I am. uh, Loving war games. And then... uh, Atari came out, and Nintendo in the 80s, and I board games fell by the wayside for me. Um, and it was actually just three years ago, four years ago, about well, four years ago, that I rediscovered board games, and they had become so cool from when I played them in the 70s. They were, like, so much better. I was like, oh, my word, where were these cool games when I was in the 70s? People hadn't thought of them yet and my, yep, I'm still computer, here. Are you still are you still there? Okay. I don't know when my computer goes black if because the last time I did it went black, I, we lost each other for a second. So, um okay.
0: Yeah, how love you love, love the new games, games uh, as of 3 to 4 years ago when you got back into the system, uh, into the board yes. game hobby. The
1: question, the question I asked, asked
0: is about the AP uh,
1: system. Oh yeah, thank you. Okay. And I was going to, in a very long way, to say I started trying games, and, and I saw that Mage Knight was rated really high. So I was like, okay, I'm getting Mage Knight because that's a cool game, it's rated high, and it's like an explorer game like mine, so let's do it. So I got mm-hmm. it, and I hated it. I I did not like the card system. I did not like that. You drew cards, and if you didn't draw the cards you needed, well, you had to figure out a way to do something else. And um, then there are other games with card systems where you have to discard your card when you've done it. And um, when I was on Man vs. Meat I remember I said, you know, the warrior does not forget how to do this move. He's trained his whole life to do it. He doesn't forget how to do it. I'm not going to make him discard it. So, that's why I went with an action point system. The The use of your action points determines your strategy, not cards that you have to discard. I feel like the cards you have to discard is a forced upon your strategy, um, and the action point system is a, in my mind, a strategy, like my cards, my ability cards. You can do the same ability seven times in a row if you want. If you have the action points, you don't discard that card. Um, how do you use your action points? Now, the action points are limited. It's not like the warrior has three action points, and that goes up to the highest with the thief with five. So it's three to five action points, and there are cards that take three action points. Uh, like regular attacks take one action point. Moving from one dungeon tile to another takes one action point. If you want to examine mist, not mist, sorry, you don't examine it, If you want to examine um, a body or debris, if you want to open a treasure chest uh, with a key, it all takes one, most everything takes one action point, you can't just do things. If you want to interact, go back to the merchant, it takes two action points to interact with the merchant because you're taking more time there. And so it's how you manage your action points and how you manage your action points in combat. We haven't talked about combat. Combat is spatial. which I think is very unique in, in uh, these games. Um, you have a horde of enemies, and they form a formation against you. And you have abilities that can attack to the first roll. You have, um, like the warrior is all first roll attacks. The, uh, the mage, the uh, ice ice mage, fire mage, can do second, third roll attacks. Heroes can come in, and um, they can... Choose. Enemies, when they're on you, are focused on you, and they stay on you, which can be really bad in a co-op game if you get a really bad uh, you know, draw of uh, enemies. Some of the enemies, or even the base enemies, are brutal. You, do not want a gris- you don't want two grizzly bears, a werewolf, and an uh, insane wolf on you. You, you will die. Um, so you have to retreat. You have to go, okay, I'm out of here. So you have the option of retreating. But because of the spatial element that is, you're, they're stacked around your board and in front of your board, and they know what room you're in. Other heroes can come in that room and just go through it if they want, if it's a competitive game, or they can come in behind and pick which enemies they want to attack. And um, that spatial element adds a level of strategy that does not exist. You have you have the strategy of dealing with the different enemies that you have other dungeon ballers, but you also have the added strategy of the spatial element.
0: Now one of the things that I do like but you know besides the you know the spatial attacking um and combat system but with your AP system uh you can prep abilities for the next round.
1: Oh yes yes um the the cards that like I'm going through on my Kickstarter, like I did Update 3, and I was going over the abilities of the Fire Mage, Zephyrine uh, Ignome, um, and there are there were action point meters on the, on the cards, and I just got rid of that. Concept was, like you just mentioned, you can start an ability. I only have one action point left this turn but I want to do this, this uh, fire protection ability. So I'm going to apply that one that I have to that ability, and then the next turn, because that ability takes three, the next turn, the very first thing I do is my first two actions are to then complete that ability. And I got rid of the action point meter because I thought any, any ability that takes more than one action point You can start one turn and finish the next. So, how that's handled now, and none of that existed in the prototype, that's all uh, come about in the last few months as playtesting and talking to people. Is you just take a cube and you put it on there, and say, any any ability that takes more than one action point, and you put it on there, and you say, okay, I'm going to finish that next turn. And that adds another element of strategy to the game of, like, the, the warrior. The warrior can handle, can get into rooms because his defense is five. He can take a lot more hits uh, than the other characters. So he can say, well, I'm going to start this rage ability I have, and I'm going to go ahead and let them just hit me this turn. But once I finish this rage ability, which lasts two turns, I'm going to clean the room out. Uh So you know, there's that kind of element of, of strategy right. that you And,
0: and that. the fact that you know nothing seems wasted in this game. So, you know, like you play other games that are on an AP system, and if you only have one or two abilities left, but you don't have you know the you know enough to activate another ability, they're wasted and they're gone. And it's like, well, there's nothing I can do. Oh, well, that sucks. But in your game, it's like okay. I'm going to now take this last point and put it to another. That is such a good concept. I think the only other game I've ever seen that on is in Conan where they allow you to do that. Um, And. And so I, I like the fact that, that, that's, that's an element that that's added because I hate feeling like things are wasted.
1: Yeah. Another thing I like about the Conan game is, and I know we're talking about my game is the the little gems, and that's your your energy. And as you use the gems up, you don't have energy. And I remember we were I was I loved the game so much. I was doing a play test a few weeks ago, and I was like, <laughs> I need to have this in my game. And the person looked at me and said, You do have it in your game. And I go, I do. He goes, Yeah. When you hit, and I'd forgotten, but when when my heroes hit like level strength of five, because their health has gone down to five. Their action points, their power, and their defense all get cut. Which down. makes
0: sense, you know. And, and I like that, you know. A lot of the concepts in your game are more real to life than they are, f- you know, fictional or fantasy. You know, you don't just you don't just stop what you're doing. Yeah, like, that's that's you know what? what the... Even though I still have the energy to do do this and you know store it for for the next round of combat, yeah, I just don't like
1: it. Nope. Yeah, well, I view the the game played in um, every turn as is is a section of time. And I view them, and there's some rules in there about enemy, like if two heroes end up exhausted in the same room, and initiative has one hero get to act first, that hero that acted first cannot steal from that other hero. Right. Because they haven't gotten to act yet. They're essentially assumed to be a waking up at the same time. And and there's little things in there like that to, to have that time element. And that just reminds me of the paladin's ability. The paladin has, has an ability to manipulate time. He's the only character can do that. And it's such a cool ability that he can manipulate time so that... He can prepare one turn, say he's facing a, a boss, he can, I forget what level he has to be at to do this ability, but he can take all of his action points to this time manipulation and the next turn he has multiple more action points, so it's like hes he's taken time and warped it so that he can do more.
0: Now, you said he's the only one who can ever basically gain more ap by doing that is there any other ways to to gain action points yes like season through leveling up or items mm-hmm.
1: there's there's uh there's equipment there is a stack of 90 cards of of rewards and there is so much stuff in there that um,
0: right. actually speaking of rewards discover. uh let's go into combat yeah. that will then lead us into re- rewards
1: Mm -hmm. When the enemies show up, the enemies appear on the number of heroes in the dungeon. That way the game scales for leveling up to the number of players in the game. Because if it didn't and you had five people playing, then nobody's going to level up because you're not getting much experience because five people can wipe out three enemies pretty quickly. Well, that group of five people now have just drawn 12 enemies. And those 12 enemies are all on one person so uh, that's one way the game levels up and I think I didn't
0: answer <laughs> No, you're fine no that that's and actually I part of combat you know it. so we, we have you know the the introduction of, of the enemies oh, yes. are scalable so now that the enemies have shown up what yes. I, I like about your, your game you know you, you made it spatial so oh. you have rows of three
1: yes it's, a, it's It's three per roll, so you put three in front of your hero, and those are roll ones, and then you put a reward card. So you put a reward face down for that roll. Now, if say you've got nine enemies, you put three more in the next roll, another reward card, and three more in the next roll, and another reward card. Now, nine enemies is pretty rare, and um, it's... Probably, like, I have recommendations, like, if you're going to play the game competitively from a combat point of view, you draw, if you have five people playing competitively, you draw enemies as if there were three people playing. Uh, because then in it, it, in it, you just you can't have, like, nine people, nine enemies on one hero if you're not playing co-op. If you're playing competitive, everyone will <laughs> just let you die. <laughs> so... And then, so that's how you get the rewards, and then enemies and heroes have ability to shoot at different lengths. There's, there's uh range. So, every enemy in the front row is going to get to attack you, but there might be enemies in the second and third row that can attack you, too. And there are also, and now uh, this, I'm talking about a stretch goal, a stretch goal that I want to include in the game. Um, are mages that change the entire aspect okay. of the enemies. Mages that change the enemy's defense. Mages that change the enemy's power. Mages that change that the fact that the heroes always attack first. Unless this mage is in the combat order, then the enemies attack first. Yes. But, which can be devastating. So it it changes having those mages in there. Changes and the reason it's a stretch goal was added, they were added after the fact and were not included in the original pricing of the game. Um, But I adore them because they, they, you have to, you've got one of those mages in the third roll and they're affecting every enemy in that room. So if another hero comes in and pulls a couple enemies to him to fight, that mage is still affecting them too. So the mage becomes the center to take out. You got to take him out because he is making everybody better.
0: I, I know it's probably going to be um, a little off um, before that that comes, but I, I like in normal combat. You know, we talked about this earlier, uh, probably back in the when we began. But the only veritable thing on combat is hit chance. Everything else is set is set numbers. Yes. that can be added or subtracted due to yes. armor weapons um i think uh you know elements can change that as well so let's
1: dive let's dive into that yes and and uh, well the idea behind that is, i call it the euro meritrash Mesh. you know meritrash is dice rolling and euro is not dice rolling and figuring everything out well That's kind of a combination of the two. Your your hit chance, every character has a hit chance. And that is their chance of rolling a D20. And another thing about this game is the D20 is backwards. If you're used to playing Dungeons & Dragons mini, 20 is fantastic. In my game, not so much. Um, It's all based on probability, which is why the lower numbers work out better, because your hit chance is 13, um, you want to roll one through thirteen to hit, and it's easier to make calculations if this, if your hit chance is subtracted or added to. If you were to, do, if I were to do it the twenty through seven method, it just became backwards math, and so it it made more sense to go with the lower number being good and going your hit is one through thirteen. Oh look, I've got this piece of armor that changes my hit chance by 2, so now it's 1 through 15. Um, look, um, I'm fighting um, this enemy who has a minus 3, three. They're like that imp I talked about, who has a minus 9. So, like, if you're the warrior at 1 through 13, you are only hitting the imp on 1 through 4. Right. Because he's so hard to hit. And then there's abilities and things you can do to up that. Um, change that, so it's like the warrior when he does his power rage ability it does not make him his hit chance any better but it makes him easier to hit because he's gone into a rage and he's focusing all of his energy and power into this rage he's into which makes him more susceptible to being hit so his hit, when they attack him, like if he's at an enemy that's got 1 through 17, that becomes a 1 through 20 because it's a plus three when he does that ability. The one one thing I like about this game, and in combat and decisions, everything tends to have a positive and negative. There, there's a price for doing things, and there's, there's a good thing that can happen if you want to pay the price for doing that. Um,
0: right. So uh, you know, it's a, it's a great risk reward element that, that you have in it. Um, now, when it comes to now, you you've killed your enemies. You know each one have had now dropped a reward for every three. You know, in a co op, it's easy to you know divvy up items. How do you do that in a competitive? Mm-hmm. Well, golly <laughs> you have to. Manage so it's the your first one to kill right? that row gets the item, or
1: not necessarily. What if you don't have any action points left? It's time-based, remember? Action points are time. If you've used up all your time to kill that thing, well, golly gee. I guess all right, other guys so come that goes into
0: it. you don't automatically get items. You have to pick them up. That's what I wanted to get into, is the fact that That's nothing's correct. a given in this game. If you kill yeah, something, it drops.
1: It's just laying there. <laughs> right. They didn't hand it to you. When I was, when I, was uh, I spent quite a bit of time with Jeremy and, and, and David at, at Man vs. Meebles. and In fact, I was there twice. And one of the things they said was, Jack, everything in this game makes sense. Yes, the rule book is huge because I want to detail all the different things you can do, but it all makes sense. It makes sense that the enemy carrying that weapon isn't going to hand it to you. That it's going to fall to the ground and it's going to take time for you to get it. Well, if you've used up all your time, it makes sense that you can't pick it up, and someone else can come by and take it. So you have to manage if you want in a competitive game. Now, I highly recommend that in a competitive game. No, 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 no. That's that's (laughs) too much. Well, because this game gets pretty brutal, and. And I don't, I, I don't want to see people getting mad at each other. But
0: I, I think um, that's, that's the point. Well, if someone's well, not mad, you're, time, you're doing so. it wrong, especially in, the, in a competitive
1: game. Fair enough. Okay, that, that's fair enough. Uh, in my competitive group, we all enjoy it to no end, uh, but no one gets irritated with it. They like. In fact, I was playing once, and I didn't, I didn't, like you know, poke the guy before I left. They're like, why didn't you poke me? I said, well, you know, I want to win the game, and taking the time to poke you just doesn't make sense right now. Um. So yeah, I've I, I, no, again, I you know, that's a great about. thing. I'm so that about
0: you know, this game. <laughs> I love that. You know, you have such enthusiasm for your game. You know, I have talked to a few designers where where they they're enthusiastic, but they get become a loss for words and it's hard for that to be conveyed in a podcast for people to be like, okay, why would I want to back this game? But no, this is great. You know, that you you are having such an an enthusiastic explanation in time here um, about uh, dungeons of infinity. Um, Well, we're going to be wrapping up soon. Is there any other concepts that you want to, to talk about?
1: Well, yeah, like you know, we said at the beginning, there's so much we haven't touched on the story mode. The story mode prelays the dungeons out most of the time. It's it's a three like what's in the prototype is a three dungeon and and is a three dungeon campaign and always it's three dungeons. It's it's set up that way. It's if you want to do a campaign, it's three dungeons uh, because once you level up to five, there's I haven't leveled enemies up past that now. I do have ideas for that, but that's not now. Um, so it's not like a Gloomhaven. That's,
0: that's time for an expansion. <laughs> that's what that sounds like. I
1: already have that. I, I Actually, it existed when I designed it. And my son-in-law said, Jack, that's too much game. Just do this part. Do that part as an expansion. Because I want it to include.
0: Right, and I don't think people realize for $60, bucks, you are getting a lot of game here it may not look that way but there we've already talked for an hour and we haven't gone through you know over probably half of what this game is about oh yeah
1: it's it's huge it is absolutely huge the 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 story campaign is going to be like a book of 100 pages and how it works is the dungeon's pre-set up and there's going to be some special cards that you're going to pre-build some decks and shuffle those special cards in and if you want to cheat, you can look at them and look them up in the book. But that would be no fair. What's the fun in that? And then you you go through and you start a dungeon. And the very first one is the king's daughter has been stolen by the demon lord, who's one of the dungeon bosses. And he you're going to go into this dungeon, and based on the little story element, there's a clue here. So you're looking for more clues. And that's the beginning of the adventure. And... As you go in, there's a book that you find. Oh, here's event one. Let's go read what event one is. Event one is this. Oh, now we got to do this because this is what's happened in event one. And I, I'll cheat. Event one is you can't open the treasure chest. No matter what you do, you can't open it. So the event then tells you what you can do. And the idea is, oh, there's got to be a lever here somewhere. There's a, there's a way to open this treasure chest. So then you start going through the dungeon again. You have to kill everything because the room has to be empty so you can look it over. Then you have to search the room. And that's that part of it. And then I won't tell you any more, but then the story keeps unfolding. And then when you're finished with that dungeon, you carry over all your experience, everything that you found, to the next dungeon. And then you go to Dungeon 2 of the story and read the beginning part of that story and then you're... So I'm getting excited about this because it's so much fun to play. And then you go in and you're like, okay, what's going to happen in this story part? And then you go to the third story part. And and I've got like nine of them designed and I quit designing them because I was like, okay, I'm going to wait till it gets funded to, to do the rest of this because it's so time-consuming. But... I want each one to end with kind of a little cliffhanger before you go to the next dungeon. Now that might be kind of hard to do 15 times, but I have a lot of ideas. And, it's gonna, and you like, like um, the paladin. It's the first one is his mini campaign, and he has to be in the, in the game. Then the next one okay. is the uh, wizards, and then the next one is say the warriors the next one is the Thiefs. And it's going to tell one continuous story through 15 dungeons that keeps expanding and expanding the story. And there's going to be parts in there where you choose. Like um, one I had just designed is you come in and you have a choice. And if you choose one way or another, it takes a different tree into the story, into the book.
0: See, I love that. I love, you know, when Player choices impact story, you know. And I didn't not I did not know that you had that inside your campaign mode. I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a hundred page book that is going to be literally a story that you follow all the way through. And the cool thing about this is, and I've played it multiple times. It's still fun, even though you know what's going to happen because of the randomness of the game.
0: No, I have to ask this. Are you going to go, is is your campaign similar to uh, Gloomhaven in which if you don't complete the dungeon, you still move forward? No. Okay.
1: You're done. You lose.
0: You you lose and start from the beginning.
1: That's correct. That's kind of video game Right. Don't know if that's good or bad, but that's how it's set up and people seem to hate, like it.
0: No I th- I think th- I think that's great you know Gloomhaven is one of those games where it's its own essence where there is no going back because there's so much to do it's you know, not that
1: my game isn't it's it's more replay I don't know Gloomhaven's pretty replayable <laughs> 93 or whatever that's pretty replayable right oh. but i mean the thing is is that
0: you you guys are while are both dungeon crawls your separate entities of dungeon crawls, which I think is is a great thing that that there's that separation. So there's not an overwhelming flood of the same type of game.
1: Yeah, it's it's you know, and I get I get all the time. What makes your game different? And I'm like, you got an hour. Hey, That's wait, the end Wait, wait, wait. Hold have on. An hour? We're at an hour. It's not even done enough. You know, my game is massive. And, you know, I get the, uh, on the Kickstarter, this hasn't been play tested. Well, BS, it's been play tested for three years and it works. Now, is it for everybody? No. It is not for everybody. And I'm perfectly fine with that. But I am very proud of this product. And it's a great game.
0: So we have... Campaign modes with over a hundred page book. We have co op. We have competitive. Solo. In the future, what are your plans?
1: I almost don't want to divulge it.
0: Okay, the, if you don't if you don't want to reveal too many
1: secrets yet, that's fine. Because there's a whole other there's a whole other world that I haven't even touched yet. Remember, my son in law said that's too much game. Right. I mean, I have twice what we've just talked about here in my head.
0: Well, I hope it's all jotted down at least.
1: No, it's all in my head. It's all in my head. It, it it's And it's, it's massive. This is just scratching the surface of what I want to do with this. I mean, literally, Gloomhaven pales in comparison to where this game eventually will end up. Without the size of the fox, needed. Correct. Absolutely. Does not need to be that, that big. Okay, I, I okay. want to ask
0: this because I've seen some of your comments on Kickstarter. Uh, one of my colleagues made this comment. Uh, everything, uh, you know, is in cardboard stock, which, you know, honestly, same with Gloomhaven, besides your, your miniatures uh, yeah. that you get for enemies. Do you ever plan on making miniatures, at least for your characters?
1: I sure want to.
0: <laughs> Is that a potential I a, a goal? I absolutely like, a wanted goal? to. I was working
1: with, was working with a... Um, it's hard to find sculptures. You're right. And they're so expensive. I was like, okay, forget this. We're not doing minis. It's ridiculously expensive. To someone who is sitting in their house, who was unemployed for three and a half years, I can't do minis. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've got people whining about how expensive the game is now, and I tend to support. I'm on the side of the people who are saying this isn't expensive. You get all kinds of stuff, and I agree with them. Right.
0: I don't think people see that because, you know, going through your Kickstarter uh, campaign, you know, in your site you know first off it, it is a very visual site um you know that talks about the game you have your your how to on it you it talks about your you know the characters the bosses but i don't think it fully truly divulges everything that this game is about and it's almost
1: I, impossible to do that
0: it really is it's like you need to put up your own secondary video of just you in front of a camera going okay guys we're going to break something down and just like kind of do like these 15 minute clips of, okay, here's combat. Here is, you know, uh, competitive bosses. I, I mean, competitive mode here is, you know, your bosses and how they work. You know, I think some an element like that may finally get people to understand what you're paying for, which is so yeah. much content.
1: Yeah, it's it's, and I'm trying to do that. Now, you should have seen the Kickstarter page before Corey got a hold of it. I'm not a graphic designer, and it was full of content. And Corey was like, Jack, nobody wants to read all this. He goes, this was reading like a manual. Right. And I go, yeah, but people need to know how massive this game is. He goes, uh-uh. I go, he goes, people are going to scare people away. So we kind of went in the opposite direction.
0: You know, that that's not a bad thing, but, ah, you know, I'm kind of on the fence. Like, I, I feel as if you need the best of both worlds. Yeah, <laughs> maybe so maybe like, not we... like a, a dialogue of text, but a nice, like I said, like five, ten minute clips, you know, that, yeah. that you break in like maybe once every few days. So people can unfold this massiveness of what you're unfolding to to the world. Yeah, we're, we're at
1: an hour and a half now, and we really could go on for another hour
0: and a half. I, I, I definitely see that we could. Uh, so, I think this is, this is a good point to start wrapping up. Okay. <laughs> Even though I, I want to talk more about this game. So, for those who are new to Kickstarter, this game is called Dungeons of Infinity by Jack's uh, Sporner. Did I say that right? Spurner. 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 That's okay. That's <laughs> right. Uh, you can find his Facebook page. Uh, now we're going to do some shameless plugging. So I want you to tell us your Facebook page, if there's a website, um, the Kickstarter. Okay, it's du-
1: Dungeons of Infinity is the Facebook page. Uh, the webpage is infinityandmore.net, um, which the paperwork for that company name has just been filed. Um, so technically, the company name doesn't exist yet, but it's mine because uh, that's all been done so uh so that's infinity and dot and the Kickstarter is Dungeons of infinity um, and don't listen to the people who say you're not getting much because if you listen to this whole thing, you know this game is massive.
0: yes, it is absolutely massive. um now, if a person had a question for you, what's the best way to reach you? Is it through email, K- uh, Facebook, or Kickstarter? Oh, and I'm also on Board Game Geek. Oh, um, uh,
1: again under Dungeons of Infinity. Yes, mm-hmm. right. I have a page. And you can. Re- I check Board Game Geek. I check Facebook, and I check the questions on the Kickstarter every day. So, and I am responding to all of them every day. And um, I'll give my little shameless plug here. One person said, you know, we just got to support this guy because look at how he supports us and responds to us. So that's what I try to do.
0: Yeah, I see you're very on top of the ball on, you know, making sure that everybody, you know, gets, you know, responses, which I think is another great thing to do as a designer is keep in touch with your audience.
1: Yeah, and one of the things I'm trying to do with the updates is they're pretty big. And the one today, and I wanted to do an update every day. And I read some stuff, and my graphic designer read some stuff. And it's like, you don't do updates every day. And I'm thinking, maybe I need to because people don't understand how big this game is. How in-depth and how it works. It's like, okay, whatever. Um, But I'm trying to expand the world via the updates. I mean, we haven't even, you and I haven't even touched the surface of the ten scenarios. We just mentioned two of them. Right. And they're so infinite. You could literally play the Orb Quest only, and you would have enough game in that box for the rest of your life. You would never play the Orb Quest twice the same way. Nor would the same strategies work at the same time. You have to adapt to the game as it unfolds.
0: Right. I mean, it's just, it's limitless. It's, it's, well, it's infinity. <laughs> Exactly as the name says it is. All right, And if you want, you can check out his reviews. Over, We have a preview with Man vs. Meeple. We also have Top Shelf Board Games did a review, as well as Unfiltered Gamer. You can check out those reviews. And I think uh, we also have Logan Chops working on
1: a review right now as well. And if you go to Board Game Geek, there's a whole bunch more. Right. There's the Australian Tabletop Gaming Network. They did one. Um, board... Games Co did one, and um, Michael in England did one. I forget his last name, but I just I couldn't put them all on there. Uh, you know, my my designer was like, put them all out there, and I'm like, I don't want to overwhelm people with like 15 reviews. <laughs> hey,
0: the thing about that is you put them all on there, and people are going to go to the ones that they feel more comfortable with. So there's nothing wrong with putting them all on there, but you're right. You know, Board Game Geek has a great um, accessibility where people can upload their videos and you can check out all. Yeah, they're all there. All that. Exactly. And I think you also did a podcast with Getting Geeky with Game Relief. Did you do any others? Mm -hmm. We're shamelessly plugging everybody else now for your game. Yeah, that's okay.
1: Yeah, I did his. In fact, I just included his with the update I did, so. With this one, I might include this one with one of the updates I do. All right.
0: So uh, we still have 26 days left. He's, you know, 30, 31% uh, to his goal. So come on, guys. Make sure to support Dungeons of Infinity. I am 31% right now, dude. All right. See? In our hour and a half, we've gotten one percent 1%. <laughs> um, so make sure to back this game. It is a never-ending smorgasbord of content that I think those who love dungeon crawls are going to love this game. And even those who are more for competitive, even co-op are going to love this game. Well, Jack, thank you so much for joining us and we'll be right back. Thank you. I, you know, and I think anybody who, who listens to this whole thing, we should do something nice for them. Yeah, we should. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll think about something uh, on the break and I will uh, put it into uh, when we come back.